From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. There we go! Iron Man Alaska is on its way! Hey, who's going to get to the finish line today? Yes, you are! Each and every one of you! That's the announcer for Iron Man, Mike Riley, as Juno played host to the inaugural triathlon yesterday. About a thousand athletes traveled from 46 states and 30 countries. The race kicked off at 6.30 on Sunday. In his fifth ever full-distance Ironman triathlon, Alex Wetman from Riverton, Utah, was this year's Ironman Alaska triathlon winner with an overall time of 9 hours, 11 minutes, and 17 seconds. Liz Cullen from British Columbia was this year's woman Ironman winner with a time of 10 hours and 23 minutes and 3 seconds. Todd Jackson of Anchorage finished 15th overall and was the first Alaskan to cross the finish line with a time of 10 hours and 7 minutes and 4 seconds. And John Purcell was the first athlete from Juneau to crush the finish line. The Ironman Kids Fun Run was on Saturday. Julie Herman, Thunder Mountain High School's PE teacher, summarized the Fun Run's events. Well, the Iron Kids race has been a lot of fun. We had three different races happening. We had an 80 um, yard for our toddlers, and then we did a half mile, and that was for ages three to eight. And then we did an older group all the way up that you could be 18 to run for the full mile. And it's been a great event for our community. And a lot of the contestants were also from uh, families that came for Iron Man out of town. So we've met a lot of great people. We had over 350 participants. Herman talked about what went into organizing the Ironman Kids Fun Run. There's been a lot of people involved in helping plan this event from our Juno community that came in. But the kids, when they came into the race, got their bag and they got a bunch of cool stuff from Search as a big sponsor, our local health consortium of Search. And they got a medal when they finished. And so there was just a lot of people. It was a great, I think, just like a grouping of Ironman staff and then our local volunteers. I'm here with our volleyball program from Thunder Mountain High School. Thunder Mountain High School's Julie Herman. Shaye Hot Hit, or Spruce Root House in Juneau, has reached its year milestone. The Zach Gordon Youth Center, Juneau Parks and Rec, and Clinton and Haida Regional Housing Authority partnered to open the facility to serve as an emergency shelter for runaway and homeless youth in the community. Jordan Nigro, manager of Zach Gordon Youth Services, spoke on Capital Chat about the shelter. We've had kids come in who are almost 18 and stay with us at the shelter and then move into the apartment um, if they have no place to be. The, the shelter is for homeless and runaway youth, so some of the kids that we see have run from home, and our role is to, you know, work with them and their family to, or, you know, their caretakers, wherever they might be living, to meet, do some mediation and help them to communicate a bit better and have them go back home um, and then sometimes they come in because they really have no place to be and then we might be working you know with the Austin Children's Services or Tribal Family Services um, to you know help figure out a, a different housing situation um, so you know they come in for lots of different reasons in providing the shelter to the community Nigro said many youth are referring each other to the shelter adding this service 
um, for the community has has allowed us to kind of provide the whole continuum of of care um, for kids who are homeless or runaway, and um, and that has been it's been real good so far. So far, one of our largest referral sources has been other youth. So certainly some youth do not know about it yet. So we're always, you know, trying to get the word out. But we're, we feel pretty good that kids are bringing other kids to the shelter um, when, they, when they know they need it. That's Jordan Nigro, manager of Zach Gordon Youth Services. Amid the scores of appeals on assessments of commercial properties in Juneau, one appeal has moved in a different direction. The typical process has been owners appealing to the Board of Equalization and then taking their appeals to Superior Court as provided in state law. However, the Juneau Assembly voted last week to accept an appeal sent to the body by Gray Gadler on behalf of Goldstein Improvement, challenging the assessed value of two properties in the city. That's according to City Attorney Robert Palmer. On Monday night, the Assembly accepted an appeal from uh, Mr. Greg Adler from the Goldstein Improvements Company to, for the limited purpose of determining whether the Assembly has authority to consider a property evaluation appeal. And the Assembly uh, asked me to find a hearing officer, and if I can't find a hearing officer, then the Assembly would uh, convene and hear the appeal itself. Bomber said there are conflicts that stem from two parts of the city charger, which he said could be related one stating that the Assembly cannot give orders on administrative matters to a subordinate to the manager. The other states that board decisions may be appealed to the Assembly by any party affected by the proceedings. Juno Deputy Mayor Maria Glaszewski said of the appeal, um, I think we should accept this appeal, but uh, only get briefing about the uh, jurisdictional issues. There are clearly you know, three conflicting things before we even get to the merits of the matter. In an interview, Adler said there's no jurisdictional question. The first thing that the city attorney should have done was look at the notice of appeal, which states in the first line, this appeal is governed by CBJ 01-50 of the Municipal Appellate Code. And it says it's governed. The definition of governed is to exercise continuous sovereign authority over. So there is no question that CBJ 01-50 is controlling. In his appeal, Adler alleges fraud, improper, excessive, and unequal valuation, including methodology by the Juno assessor. The scheme that the assessor used, the cost approach, is doesn't work in Juno because they use $147 a square foot and costs are more like 450 to 800 a square foot and they don't they don't use direct costs of building and indirect costs of building they don't account for obsolescence they don't account for uh, profit of a builder the income approach they state in findings uh, they did not use and says of the city's sales approach they excluded many many 20 30 sales, and they included a sale, the port property, that is definitely an outlier property. So their sales information, their data that they used in their computer analysis, is uh, it's corrupt. And they talk about using the mass appraisal method, which sounds great on its face, but they excluded so many properties that their mass appraisal method for downtown Juneau was six or seven properties. The question pending before the Assembly currently is if the city has jurisdiction over this appeal. 
and if it is determined that the body does have authority, the assembly would then hear the merits of Adler's appeal. During a lengthy debate on Thursday regarding a contract offered to Huna Police Chief Eric Hurtado by Mayor Gerald Byers, members of the city council and residents of Huna spoke up in favor of the chief and against what some called a lack of transparency by the city administration. The debate stems from a contract offered to Hurtado by Byers, as well as an employment review of the chief's work. City Administrator Dennis Gray told the council that Hurtado has received a contract and that the city has been waiting for a response. Hurtado then addressed the council, saying he would not accept the contract as written, especially in light of what he calls a negative employment review by the mayor. I've been here for almost two years, and love to be here longer and they still want to be here longer but not with the different stipulations that were added into the contract which includes uh an evaluation that basically is is two sentences of well this is what's perceived as what's good about the chief and then some pages of why uh Apparently, a couple people think that I'm not a good fit. And so for me to accept a contract that says and coincides and connects with the evaluation that says we can fire the chief for this, we can fire the chief for this, we can fire the chief for this, terminate, terminate, terminate. No, I'm not going to accept the contract that's written that I Council members Amelia Wilson then asked for the evaluation to be provided to the council. She said the council not having access to the contract or evaluation is a deviation from the process in Huna City government. It's also um, part of our code that um, that the council confirms the hire or fire of our chief. And so to not have the evaluation or the contract put before the council um, or even shared at all, um, I think is is not following the process. One of the items in Hurtado's employment evaluation states that the chief disregards overtime and staffing issues when it comes to officers and dispatchers. Huna Department of Public Safety dispatcher Becky Hunnicutt responded to that assertion. We are understaffed and all our officers, including chief, work their butts off day and night. They are basically working 24-7, even on their days off. They get called in by us, dispatchers, because we need them. They need backup. We have three officers, and we need more. The mayor said he had interviewed past dispatchers and police officers regarding her Tato. Hanukkah disputed that. We are understaffed. And all our officers, including chief, work their butts off day and night. They are basically working 24-7, even on their days off. They get called in by us, dispatchers, because we need them. They need backup. We have three officers, and we need more. There was a fiery back and forth between Councilmember Brian Lackey, the mayor Byers and a member of the audience. I personally would like to hear from our mayor. He's sitting up there with his arms crossed, and he's the guy who makes the decisions and doesn't have nothing to say. You were elected by the people. The people want an answer. They want an answer? Yes, I yeah. did hear from dispatchers. Yes, I did hear from police officers. Is that you point blank enough? Yes. Really? 
Are they all here? No, they're not. Are past ones here? No, they're not. So don't presume. You're presuming just because some of you are positive. I'm not negative against him. There is flaws with all of us. We know this is a witch hunt. Mm-hmm. I offered him a contract. I'm tired of you wasting time on a man that's willing to work and has been working. All made their remarks during Thursday's regular meeting. Former Governor Bill Walker and his running mate for Lieutenant Governor Heidi Dragas sat down for an interview last week with the Alaska Landmine. As Lieutenant Governor, Dragas would be responsible for all elections in the state. She said she believes Alaska's elections are fair and secure. I think Alaska has a a really solid group of professionals running the Division of Elections. Um, and I think that we have uh, one of the most secure elections uh, in the country. Uh, I know that that is something that the Division of Elections has been looking at to ensure that we have safe and secure elections. Um, and also that they are, you know, we have open and fair elections so that people have access to the ballot box. That's sort of that's equally an issue. Um, we've had problems in rural Alaska ensuring that folks have access uh, to the ballot box with um, limited staffing um, and locations. So, I mean, I think that I would I would leave those decisions to the professionals at the Division of Elections. Walker echoed that sentiment, citing a report from current Lieutenant Governor Kevin Meyer. I recall that uh, Lieutenant Governor Kevin Meyer put out a, a report um, after the last election, basically confirming exactly what uh, uh, Commissioner Dragas just said about about the uh, that we have a good system. Can are there areas of improvement? If there are, we absolutely will do it. No, there's no question about it. But um, I, I think we're in I think we're in a good space in that regard. Walker calls the campaign with Dragas a unity ticket. He says their organization is comfortable in the middle rather than on the partisan left or right. Jody Mitchell is the chief executive officer at Inside Passage Electric Cooperative, and on Tuesday she joined Dano on Capital Chat to talk about their mission. Our mission is to provide safe, reliable electricity at the lowest responsible cost. And by responsible cost, I mean we want to make sure that we cover all of our costs with a very small margin, try to keep it as close to zero as possible so that we can make sure we cover our costs above all. Power cost equalization and displacing diesel with hydropower also helps with the high rates. Mitchell went on to share projects the cooperative is working on currently. We have two projects that are in the final design stage. One of them is in Angoon, which actually is a Kootenai project. We're working together with Kootenai to build the Thayer Creek hydro project for Angoon. And the great thing about that project is it will provide over 100% of the community's electric needs. So there's a lot of upside for, you know, heat pump installations, maybe, you know, electric vehicles, maybe electric boats, maybe even we could help with the ferry system by having a trickle charger so that the ferry can come in and, you know, change out their battery. Because I've heard that um, the Alaska Marine Highway is talking about putting in electric ferries. So we're hoping to help with that. Joni Mitchell of IPEC. On Friday, Eagle Crest was on Capital Chat to talk about the upcoming winter season. Dave Scatlin, the general manager of Eagle Crest, shared updates on the gondola coming to Eagle Crest from Austria. 
currently in the middle of the Atlantic, sailing its way across to the East Coast. We're expecting that hopefully we'll see trucks arriving to the parking lot at Eagle Crest around September 5th to September 10th. Scallon went into further details on the installation process. Installation is going to be definitely a longer process. So we've actually just finishing contracts with the full engineering and design team. So um, Northwind Architects, our local firm, is going to be leading uh, all of the engineering consultants and, and design for the gondola. So we're hoping to do some preliminary work this fall, do some soils engineering, and then get the full design plan done this winter and be able to start construction next summer. Meanwhile, Scallon mentioned they will be keeping their rental gear pre-registration that was developed over the pandemic. So coming into the fall, we're going to have reservations available for families to come in and pre-fit the kiddos with gear. Granted, everybody, the kiddos grow so fast, but uh, again, those seasonal rentals, amazing for the kids. You don't have to worry about them grow, you know, buying expensive gear and them growing out of it. So those seasonal rentals, they go quick as well, but we're uh, always looking to open up more slots for that. So we'll be doing those pre-fit reservations in the fall to make it easy when you come to the mountain. We'll know exactly what gear you need. Scallon made his remarks on Capital Chat. Officials with the Alaska State Fair have decided against the usual array of poultry exhibits this year amid concerns about the avian flu. Fair CEO Jerome Hartel says officials believed it'd be best to err on the side of caution. The Anchorage Daily News reports the fair in Palmer usually has poultry exhibits with geese, turkey, and ducks. Officials say the fair will still include a baby chick exhibit. The fair begins on August 19th. In late April, state officials announced the first confirmed case in Alaska of a strain of a highly pathogenic avian flu virus. Most states have reported cases. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.